following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Today's gospel story seems to function in the course of the gospel as something of a step back moment for Jesus in his ministry and life among the disciples. He has been busy since healing the Canaanite woman's daughter in the story we read just a week ago. Since then, in the stories placed between that story and today's, he has healed many. He has fed a multitude for the second time now in this gospel, yet again with leftovers. And he has argued with religious leaders who were trying to catch him again in one of their theological traps. And now today, after all of that, the teaching and the feeding and the healing and the debating, now Jesus pauses with the disciples to reevaluate. How are we doing, he asks them, sort of checking in. What's your sense of where we have been and, and where we are heading? What is it all about? Hopefully each of us has some opportunities for similar step back or check-in moments in our lives from time to time. Moments for us to, to pause and to breathe and to get a glimpse of the bigger picture beyond what's on our calendars just for tomorrow to consider the lives that we are building. Opportunities for us to reassess the ways that we have organized and prioritized aspects of our lives, how we're using our time, our, our energy, our resources. Hopefully we make time for these assessments like this, not just personally, but on systemic and structural levels too. Is this life that we are living together lining up with our shared values? Is it benefiting everyone equally or some more than others? What changes then might we need to make, each of us and all of us, to build a, a better, a more beloved world where everyone has access to what they need? Well, Jesus begins his check-in this morning with the disciples by asking, who do people say that I am? That is, what's the word on the street? The disciples respond quickly, at least in my imagination, with data from all the latest polls. Something like 43% say that you're John the Baptist, 39% say Elijah, the other 18% are undecided about whether you're Jeremiah or maybe one of the other prophets. Their responses all are based on what they have heard from others, the experiences, the opinions of others. And interestingly, Jesus neither affirms nor denies their responses. He simply listens as they share what they believe they know about him based on the preferences and the ideas and the expert opinions of others. It is, at least to some extent, what we all do, I think. Our journey of faith begins in this way. Naming what we have heard, confessing what has been handed on to us from various traditions or families or Sunday school teachers or ideas even that we've read online, reciting what others have given to us. Such answers may be solid and well-grounded, especially as they point back to the rich soil of our traditions, the paths that others have traveled. And yet they lack a sense of intimacy for naming only what we have heard from others, repeating only what we have received from others, from our parents, our cultures, our religious traditions, our peers, this can be a great way for us to begin our explorations, but we cannot build our whole lives only, only on the faith of others. 
Eventually, the question of who Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, eventually, that question needs to become personal. And so Jesus pushes the disciples deeper. He shifts the question, seeking a response from their hearts. What about you, he asks them. How have you experienced me? Or who do you say that I am? Just for a moment, Jesus says to the disciples, let's forget about other people's ideas and theologies and interpretations just for a moment. Now, they're important, of course, but just for now, let's set aside those traditions and, and doctrines and creeds. Let's try to set aside the, the sound bites and the platitudes and the memes. Let's reflect on the life that we've actually been living together, the bread that we've broken, the miles we've walked, the burdens we've carried together. Recall the tears that we have shed and the laughter that we have shared. Who am I, Jesus says, who am I to you? And then I imagine Jesus waiting patiently, vulnerably for their response, wondering if his companions have understood his mission, if they're willing to take a risk now, if they're ready to make their personal confession out loud. Perhaps at least some of us can probably guess which of the disciples is the first one to answer. It's Simon Peter, of course. Simon Peter, always faster and brasher and more impulsive than the others. You are the Messiah, he says, the son of the living God. But Jesus doesn't leave it there either with this spoken answer to his question. He seems to affirm it, to commend it, but then immediately he pushes Peter further. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, he says. And then I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, Peter, of course, is Greek for rock, on this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church. And just like that, Jesus connects his identity to ours, who he is to our purpose, our mission as church. Jesus' question, who do you say that I am, is seeking more than an answer. It is calling forth our active response. Because our answer to who Jesus is clarifies who we are meant to be. Jesus links the two, who he is and who we are. The one follows necessarily from the other. In identifying who Jesus is, we discover who we are most truly. We are church. We are built upon the rock of Jesus' identity. We are Christ's body in this world. And so we are actors then, not spectators in the building of beloved community. And we are who we are because Jesus is who Jesus is. The Christ, the Messiah, the God who loves us and meets us and calls us. That is the direction of our step back moment with Jesus today to remember who Christ is, both experienced in the world and experienced in our own lives, so that we can remember who we are meant to be. Our identity in Christ is what makes us church, not repeating certain creeds or customs, not all of us believing exactly the same things or praying exactly the right formula of words, not our programming or our slogans, not our buildings, not our classes, not our activities, as great as all those things are, and they are absolutely, none of them is what makes us church. 
what makes us church, what gives us our identity, what makes us who we are, is Christ. God's unconditional love come up close and personal in the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit. That is our substance and our goal. That is our identity in this time and place. God's goal, the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to the church in Ephesus, God's goal is for us to become mature adults, fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. Now that is a tall order to be sure. Christ is our standard, nothing less. Christ is our measuring stick. Christ is who we are meant to be. Together by grace, Paul continues, we are growing into Christ in every way. And so we are called to more than knowing the answer to Jesus' question. We are called to respond with our whole lives. Who Jesus is, who we have experienced this God to be, is who we are meant to be. The embodied expression of God's love in this world. That's who we are, and that's the motivation then for everything that we do in our life together as church. It is the reason we exist. We exist as church not to make folks feel comfortable, not to make folks be entertained, not to offer self-help tips, not to fill our pews, not to offer perfect programming that meets everyone's desire. No, we exist to be church. We exist, quite simply, to be the living, breathing, speaking body of Christ, to be God's love in our neighborhood. And in today's first reading, we're given five remarkable examples of what this can look like for us to live as Christ's love in the world. Five courageous women form the core of this story, Shifra and Pua, and then Moses' mother and sister and the daughter of Pharaoh. And each and every one of them reminds us that living as Christ's body often will mean for us refusing to go along to get along. Remembering who we are and staying true to our identity as God's agents of justice and mercy and love, making a way for life amid death, often is going to set us at odds in a world that tries to sell us all sorts of other versions of who we are supposed to be. And so we need courage to live in this way, to live against the grain. That courage comes from our clarity in remembering who we are. Who do you say Christ is? That's a question for each of us this day. Not just the Christ that you've been told about by others, but the Christ whom you have experienced personally and directly the God who has made you and known you and sought you and met you. Who do you say that one is? How have you experienced and been encountered by that Christ? Our answer to that question of Jesus' identity will lead for us, as it did for Peter, to a clarifying then of our own identity, who we are, who we're meant to be. And as we become clear about who we are, our identity in Christ, both as disciples and together as church, when we know and remember who and whose we are, then we will find the courage to act like it too. To do more than just give an answer to Jesus' question, we'll find the courage to live our answer more fully day by day. Like those five women in today's story, 
we too can live boldly like Christ in this world, the Christ who meets us personally. Because we have experienced the Holy Spirit as the one who stays with us always, we then can go and offer courageous companionship, advocacy, and solidarity with neighbors experiencing injustice and hunger, violence and grief. Because we have experienced God as the one who heals us, we then can go and do likewise, offering real forgiveness and reconciliation, hospitality and welcome in a still hurting world. And because we have experienced Christ directly and personally as the one who loves us, then we can go and love one another, working toward peace and striving toward justice and keeping hope alive all the way. And then as we do those things, as we live day by day with this integrity to who we really are, not only aligning our actions with our words, but integrating our whole lives into God's life, as challenging and as changing as that will be for us, what a gift, what a gift it is too. What a gift it is to know that the God who knows us believes in us so much as to call us to live as Christ. And the more fully we do so, the more completely we fold our lives into God's life, the more completely our life together resembles Christ's life, well then, the more fully we will come alive. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.com.